Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got no music, but I'm a... There we are. Maybe a second late. We are Birds 365 on a hump day Wednesday. Yes, hump day for the week, but also for the football week. We'll continue to look back at the Eagles' impressive opening game victory against the Falcons, but start to look ahead to Sunday's task, the 49ers coming to town. I'm Jerry McDonald. Jeff Kerr is my sidekick today because John McMullen... They put up the picture of his face. He looks better than that. I got to give him that much credit. He looks pretty good in that picture. <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't know. I don't know about that, Joey. But I yeah, he, he looks okay there. He's gonna do the guest thing for the first half hour of the show because he's got the Eagle reporter duties and the like. Uh, J.K., we had you on Monday. Any uh, added thoughts? Anything more jump out at you? Maybe as you talk to some people or uh, crunch numbers a little bit more from the impressive win that jumps out at you with the Eagles' victory over the Falcons? I mean, overall, from a national perspective, everybody seems to be talking about the Eagles. I think people are some eating some crow a little bit on Jalen Hurts and Nick Sariani, and they're starting to figure out, okay, like, Maybe these guys are legit. Maybe it's a, a week one overreaction. Who knows? But it's Eagles good, Giants bad, Cowboys indifferent, uh, Washington's in trouble. But overall, I think a lot of people are giving the Eagles a chance against San Francisco this week. And I say that's a good thing, Johnny Mack, because San Francisco comes in a little beat up, picking up right where they left off last year when they were probably the most injured team in the National Football League. Two significant losses coming out of week one in both their secondary and their backfield. Are we supposed to read into this, Johnny Mack, that maybe it's that kind of year for the Eagles, that when there are breaks to be accounted for, the breaks go the Eagles' way? Well, it, it, it certainly did, as Jeff mentioned, in week one. I mean, Washington loses its quarterback. The Giants are the Giants. <laughs> And they just can't seem to get out of their way. Uh, and we all know Dallas. Dallas is going to have a good offense, bad defense, um, sort of status quo. Um, but, yeah, I mean, injury-wise, Raheem Mostert obviously out for the season now. Uh, they lose their best corner uh, in Justin Verrett. So um, those are two significant injuries. Although we talked about the Kyle Shanahan rushing game, basically going back to his dad. That was the old knock. Anybody can rush for 100 yards behind the, the Denver offensive line. Seems that way with San Francisco, and they get Eliza Mitchell going, um, who's a six-round pick. So you'd rather have Raheem Mostert, though. you got to be realistic about it. But they're going to be able to run the football because they have the best running scheme in the NFL, in my opinion. 
Uh, talked to we talked to Barrett about that yesterday. Kind of echoed it. Uh, former offensive lineman. I mean, they're just you know so well regarded in that phase of the game. Uh, but I do think it's going to be. It, Jeff's right. I mean, the national media has gone a little bit crazy, and we always talk about overreaction Mondays. It's probably the biggest overreaction is week one because nobody knows what to expect. So. This is a good opportunity. I think this is this is more of a temperature game because San Francisco is a good team. I don't know how good, but they're good. Atlanta is a bad team. Um, so if the Eagles play well against San Francisco, I think it means more. John, what scares me about this 49ers team is I think Trey Sermon's probably their best running back. Uh, you know, Eli Mitchell had a great opener, but Sermon didn't play. And Brandon Ayuk, I think Kyle Shanahan, again, he has the hamstring injury, but I think – Kyle Shanahan's kind of waiting to unleash him a bit. It, it seems like the if there's any game for those two to get going, it's going to be Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he, he's Kyle. Kyle Shanahan is is so well regarded in this league. You you, you sort of you know want to um, almost press the pause button and say, okay, what's the, what what's everybody loves so much? But I think you look at. It, at the way they use Debo Samuel, for instance. And, you know, so many – we always talk about manufactured touch players, and so many so many teams want them, but then they don't know how to use them. And, and, and it becomes very difficult. You have to be very disciplined to use them correctly. Um, and Kyle seems to be able to do that, and he's got two of them. Uh, and you saw how good Samuel was. As a rookie, he was one of those injuries Jody was talking about last season, really affected them. Uh, he's back. He played really well. Um, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is one of those explosive guys who you always got to worry about. So now they got two of them. They got the best tight end in football. I don't know if you saw that seal block George Kittle uh, threw against Detroit in week one. Um, they're a good football team, but I don't like the quarterback. So if you don't have the quarterback, it can't be a great football team. And, you know, how quickly can they get to Trey Lance? And I think they will get to Trey Lance at some point this season, not just as a, a package player or a play here and there. Uh, because Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to play Jimmy Garoppolo. He feels he has to right now. But much like uh, the quarterback of Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, we had a really good game, and now everyone seems to have upgraded their opinion on him. Jimmy Garoppolo had a damn good game. As a matter of fact, they put Trey Lance in early. He throws a touchdown pass on his first pass uh, in the National Football League, and then they go back to Jimmy G, and he continues to move the ball up and down the field against the Lions. J-Mac, you got to give him at least this. He's gotten off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I say I, I'm not a fan of the quarterback, I just think he's limited. It, I, I believe he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I believe he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the world. Um, but I think there's a ceiling there. Uh, it's very similar to Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick back in the day where Alex, you know, would win games, uh, really smart guy, uh, could manage things, get you to the finish line. Um, uh, but, uh, Jim Harbaugh realized, okay, there's, you know, there's a ceiling here and, and we got to get more explosive. And he started mixing Colin Kaepernick in Alex Smith's get, gets hurt. They go to Kaepernick and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. Um, 
I, I think you're going to see a similar situation in, in this. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. John, the 49ers are so banged up at, cor- at cornerback, as you know. Jason Perrette, uh, they just signed Dre Kirkpatrick. I don't know if that move's going to play by Sunday. Probably not. But Josh Norman's on that roster. It's it, it's a mess right now. And do you see Jalen Hurts' yards per attempt going up this week? No, I don't. I, I mean, that's not until uh, – I mean, that was one of the most impressive things about um, Nick Sirianni's game plan. I mean, he understands what Jalen Hurts can do well at this point. Now, I think it eventually – maybe it goes up a little bit because it almost has to. Um, but you're going to see a lot of short – you're going to see the bubble screens, screen pa- – especially early because you want to give him confidence. And, and then when you do go downfield, you sort of have a quarterback that is feeling it. But, I, I mean, that's not the strength of Jalen Hurts' game. And I think that's the early positive sign of Nick Sirianni. He knows what his quarterback can do. And it seems like he's not going to ask him to do what he can't do that well. And that's just sit in the pocket and throw the football down the field, especially in the intermediate zones. Um, now, if you get behind by two scores and you're in the fourth quarter, you have to. And and then we'll kind of learn a little bit more about Jalen Hurts. But the Eagles want to do what they did against Atlanta. And they want to start the way they started and obviously get a lead and play from the lead. And that makes things much easier. JM, I know you were part of it yesterday. Shane Steichen was the coach that the Eagles made available and he answered a couple of questions. I'm not sure if you had one of those. That's a real good question, which I think he stated to about half of the questions he got uh, yesterday. (laughs) That's Um, that's the old football trick. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. When when you get that's a good question, that means, oh, thanks. Thanks for going easy on me. That's basically (laughs) (laughs) it. He rolled it out there at at least half of the questions that he got yesterday. But one that he did get was sort of uh, about what you were talking about, that uh, Jalen Hurts had the lowest – yards in the air, passing number in the NFL this past week. And they asked him, again, a setup question. Did you have calls for plays that were supposed to go further down the field? And Steichen said, oh, yeah, that uh, just they weren't there, that the defense specifically tried to take them away. And that's why the quarterback specifically, quote, unquote, checked down to a shorter route. Uh, do you think that was overstated? Do you think that the Eagles specifically wanted to keep things short and simple for Jalen Hurst just to get him off on a good note week one? Yeah, I, well, definitely they wanted to start that way. And obviously you go bubble screen and and bubble screen two. what was it, two of the first three plays. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was the game plan. Get get a feel. And that's how you turn 52% to 77%, by the way. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Uh, uh, it happens by design. So, uh, and again, you get the quarterback feeling uh, a little bit good, feeling a little bit confident. Then when it goes down the field, like the Devontae Smith touchdown, it's it's a nice throw. And um, who knows, you know, again, you, you make him feel a little bit good about himself and maybe that helps. Uh, but yeah, they called some um, deep shots and, and, and Jalen uh, took the underneath routes. Um, and, you know, I said uh, uh, all the things about Jalen Hurts, and I I said this yesterday to you, Jody. 
the most impressive part to me was the decision making. Now, you, you have to watch the all 22 and figure out, OK, was this shot there? Was this shot not there? Um, you don't want to become Alex Smith when you're that talented and just check down, check down, check down, check down. Uh, but we're through one game. So we have to see, is that going to continue? Um, is it going to uh, slowly ramp up? Uh, and I think it's going to slowly ramp up. But, yeah, you can't just check it down uh, all the time. People figure that out pretty quickly, and they'll start uh, getting really tight on the receivers and making things more difficult if they're not concerned about guys going over the top. The good news is the Eagles have receivers that can run by people. So you can play that little game and go bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen, then fake bubble screen and, and go behind the defense, which I think is what Nick is trying to do. John, we now got five starts of Jalen Hurt. In my opinion, we got four. Um, what's your evaluation of what you've seen just based on last year and uh, Sunday's game? Well, Sunday's game was tremendous. I mean, I, I you know, like I said, I tried to come up with negatives, uh, and it and it's hard. Um, and most of the stuff, like the fourth downs, I thought was more on the coaching staff and the fact that they were late getting the plays in uh, and everything seemed a little bit rushed. And I think that might have threw things off. Uh, so you can nitpick on there. Um, as for Jalen's play as a whole, I, I didn't see much you can nitpick about. Uh, I always say flush is right a little bit too much instead of trying to climb the pocket. I still think that's something he's got to work on, but he knows that he's, he said that, um, but yeah, I mean, it was good. Do I think he's, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in football? No, I mean, I, 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 it's going to get more difficult. The question is how bad is Atlanta? Are we, we all think they're bad. Are they bottom of the league bad? Are they number one pick bad? They might be, eh, that was pretty bad. And if they are, I think that changes thing. And that's why I think this game's so important because this defense is good. Uh, you know, that front, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, can bring in D Ford as a pass rusher. Fred Warner's one of the best linebackers. Yeah, they're having problems at, at corner. Uh, but that front seven is going to make things a lot more difficult than the Falcons were able to make things. So uh, I am interested to see how Jalen handles uh, that, especially if Nick Bosa gets going, because that guy can wreck a game. Jay Mack, I, I want to touch on this. We brought it up on the show yesterday. You did. You saw it on Twitter, like, with 20 minutes ago, as usual, something breaks at the tail end of Birds 365. But Howie Roseman did a deal yesterday with Fletcher Cox, putting a bunch of his salary this year into a signing bonus, which freed up about $11 million in cap space for the Eagles this season, they now have the third most cap space in the National Football League of any team for this year only. Why? Um, if I could figure out, oh, well, there's a guy sitting out there for you. They want to be able to scoop him up. That would make sense. It's not like the cap space uh, just goes away. You're just pushing off potential cap space issues to future years on the length of Fletcher Cox's deal. I, I nothing came to me immediately as to why the Eagles would aggressively do this for this specific season. What do you make of it? 
Well, part of it was it was done Saturday, so part of it was for the Mylata deal. It was actually it was actually um, filed on Saturday, uh, so they worked out that extension, and they're obviously working out trying to work out an extension with Dallas Goddard, perhaps Josh Sweat, even Avante Maddox, uh, and then you have some room. Remember what the Eagles did with Alshon Jeffrey back in the day? You know they got him to sign on a one-year prove-it deal played well and then they were able to extend them so you have a bunch of guys on prove it deal so say anthony harris he'd be the most one most likely if he starts to play well um you don't want to get him you you don't want him to get to free agency again and and so he could be a candidate in in that type of instance but that would be later in the season um but yeah it, it's more about uh potential extensions um than any outside player this is not the time of the year where you generally bring in outside players although you know jeff was talking about san francisco they evidently tried to trade for cam dancer because they have some so many cornerback problems um so there's always a chance for a lower level trade but certainly not anything splashy um so it's more about potential extensions and trying to get those done John, I was doing some game prep for this game, and I thought this was interesting, and I'm not sure where to make of – we know the 49ers' offensive line defensive lines are good. There's no doubt about that. But they allowed the fewest pressures out of any of the teams last week, even fewer than the Eagles on the offensive line, and they generated the most pressures against, a, in my opinion, a pretty good Detroit offensive line. Now, I know Taylor Decker missed that game, but regardless, it's it seems like – if the Eagles are actually going to upset this team, they're going to have to generate more than six pressures and they're going to have to stop the 49ers from getting 23 off Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, it's strength versus strength. It really is. I mean, we talk about, you know, Jordan Mailata and the extension and, and the big block, everyone, you know, the highlight block. Uh, this is it, man. You're going to know if George going to the Hall of Fame this week, because if he shuts down Nick Bosa, he's a player. Um, on the other side, talk about first ballot Hall of Famers, Trent Williams. I mean, talk to an NFL line, uh, offensive lineman or defensive lineman about Trent Williams. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. So you talk about, you start talking about the Eagles rush and saying, well, you're probably not going to get anything from the edge on the right side. Um, you know, is this the week where we see the multi multiplicity of, uh, of Jonathan Gannon's defense? Because, you know, the Eagles didn't blitz against Atlanta because they didn't have to. They might have to blitz against uh, uh, San Francisco if they want to generate some pressure. Are they going to do it? Who's going to do it? Where is it coming from? You know, that this is all interesting stuff because, you know, there are no uh, Anthony bars on, on the Eagles defense. So there's no natural, um, you know, people can talk about Jannard Avery, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I look at those. That's the one asterisk I, I put on, on week one was stopping the run and the linebackers. Um, because I think that might be a problem against good teams and, we talked about the San Francisco running game. I mean, they're going to try to run it. They they do a good job, and can these linebackers hold up? I, I don't know. 
J-Mac, I know that uh, he wasn't made available to the, uh, uh, of course, the board media, but they did put up an interview on uh, Eagles' website with uh, Nick Sirianni yesterday as well. And he was asked specifically about the 49ers, and I'll give Sirianni this much. He's been pretty forthcoming with you guys uh, basically since he took over as the coach. He was very, very, very uh, keep the cards close to the vest about the 49ers. He really thinks this whole nobody knows who we are yet thing is going to work for him, even after he kind of snuck up on the rest of the league last week. Is that why he's not ready to give any real insight other than, oh, they're a real good football team about the 49ers? Yeah, he's he 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 really does believe that. Um, now you know they have sixty minutes on film. Um, this is a good coaching staff, uh, even though they lost obviously Robert Sala, old Eagle D'Amico Rhines as the defensive coordinator. Uh, now, um, so I I I mean the the most. And I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated. The most impressive thing to me about Nick Sirianni didn't happen Sunday. It happened Monday. And it happened baked into an answer about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's blocking. And he said, we're going to have to get him touches off of that as well. And you say to yourself, why are you trying to get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside touches off that? He's not a playmaker, hasn't made a play in three years, blah, blah, blah. Well, if 19 comes on the field and you can say, Fred Warner can say bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen. I mean, you're done. Right. You're cooked. So you got to adjust. And that's what Chip Kelly couldn't do. Chip Kelly set the world on fire in the first half against Washington. And everybody's like, oh, this is this guy's 10 years ahead of the league. By the second half, he had already caught up. They almost came back and won the game. There was no adjustments to the adjustments. I, I don't know if Nick Sirianni is going to accomplish that, but people are going to catch up pretty quickly if you keep running bubble screens and things. If you keep running the same stuff over and over and over, and he can at least verbalize. I think that's a positive. He's verbalizing, look, I can't do this constantly. Um, and I, I think that's a positive because that's the first time, you know, if you verbalize it, then you can execute it. If you realize you have to do it, and he realizes he has to do it. So everything is is sort of a constant evolution. But, yeah, I mean, San Francisco's already got 60 minutes. They know if J.J.'s on the field on the, and, and Quez Watkins is on the field, they might go bubble screen. So, you know, fake the bubble screen, go a different direction, then you have something else on film. I, I think, you know, Nick understands that. He realizes that. He understands he's going to have to do that uh, moving forward. John, around the league, Isaac Sayamalo is regarded as, you know, it, at least by a lot of people, a top 10 left guard. And for some reason, Philadelphia fans don't seem to think Isaac Sayamalo isn't any good. Landon Dickerson is eventually going to replace him. But he he is pretty good, right? I mean, that this isn't like... I just don't know why the fans think, you know, week two against Kansas City from four years ago. Context, Jeff. They don't pay attention to anybody else. They don't know how bad the offensive lines are around this league. You got teams, Jody's team, the Jets would be a perfect example. Uh, the team I covered for a long time, the Vikings would be a perfect example. They go years. They can't find a stinking offensive lineman. 
Jeff Stoutman keeps keeps just churning them out. Yeah, Isaac Samala is a really good player. I've been saying this from day one. Landon Dickerson isn't here to replace Isaac Samala. Landon Dickerson is here to replace either Jason Kelsey if he retires or, or, or Brandon Brooks if the Eagles move in a different direction because of contract negotiations in 2022. And he will replace one of those two. I don't know which one. Um, he's not replacing Isaac. Isaac's playing. Uh, whether it's center, left guard, whatever they decide is the best uh, best way to go if, if whenever Jason Kelsey decides to call it uh, quits. Um, yeah, Isaac's a good player. But the answer to your question is context. They don't realize how bad it is around the league because they only, they're focused on the Eagles and the Eagles have a top five offensive line. And when like something happens last year, it, you would think it would jolt people in the reality um but for whatever reason they get certain players in their head and the problem with isaac is and now he's probably not you know because jordan is still a work in progress but everybody loves jordan my so we'll put him off to the side um but when you have kelsey and brooks and johnson and those are all pro level players and you just have a good player you, you, they think that he's not good because he's not as good as them. That would right. be my best explanation. That's exactly where I was going, John. Out of the five offensive linemen, he's number five. He got my lotto. They just gave this mega contract to and He's the biggest fan favorite because he's the underdog, seventh rounder who never played football, came off the rugby field to become a left tackle, and three pro bowlers. So who's left? Isaac. Doesn't mean he's not getting the job done. Doesn't mean he's not good. But you're going to comp him for the five, four other guys who are starting on the offensive line for him, and he's the least noteworthy of the bunch. So, oh shoot, we drafted a guy in the second round. We got to get him immediately. Who's he going to replace? Well, number five, that's Isaac Samalo. Even though you are 100 right, the guy doesn't deserve that because he's a, a, a Jeff said it, a top ten uh, right guard, uh, left guard in football. I'd absolutely put him in the top ten. Yeah, I'd put him in the bottom of the top 10, but he's right in that range. He's he's probably right there, 9, 10, somewhere in that range. And again, that's probably the better context. If you look at the 32 teams and you got a top 10 player at a position, that's pretty good. Yeah. And you don't look to it really. You're, you're always, you're not going to have a top 10 player at every position. So you're always looking to improve uh, the other issues you have. Linebacker would be a notable example. You're not worried about a top 10 player, and the Eagles are not worried about Isaac Sabala. Jeff Stoutman loves the guy, loves him. And he would say he's the fourth best offensive lineman, by the way. Well, then who would be the fifth, Malav? Jordan. Jordan's not consistent enough uh, for for Jeff. Trust me on that one. <laughs> he's a nitpicker. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, you know, since we've Brought up Jason Kelsey. I mean, he always seems like he's year to year, but like, how did the Eagles view it? Like, I I assume they drafted Dickerson to prepare for an inevitable Jason Kelsey retirement. But I mean, the way he's been playing, I why hang it up at this point? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just a matter of you know how much his body can take. I mean, it, you know, it, it used to be Jason Peters. Now it's Jason Kelsey. You watch these guys get ready for practice. And they're taping up his elbow like a mummy. And, you know, this is for practice. And this is for 
a 45-minute Friday practice, you know, to get through it. Um, you know, that guy plays through everything. I, You know, Mick Tinglehoff died uh, this week, and I don't know if you guys know Mick, but All he's a Hall of Fame center. Uh, one of the great lines, um, his his backup, guy by the name of Godfrey Zahn Brecker, a weird name. But he had a great line. He, he, he said, I'm the third string center. And people are looking at him like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, behind Tinglehoff and Tinglehoff Hurt. That's that's the first two. He played 240 straight games. Never, never missed a game his entire career. And he was undersized. Different era, of course. But he, he was sort of like the Jason Kelsey of his era. Plays through everything. Everything. And that's Jason Kelsey. I, I go back to last year when he hurt his elbow. You know, it was the play before the second inning. You're like, okay, he's done for the season as well. Offensive line, you know how the season was going. He's done. He misses one play, goes in the locker room. He's cursing on the field. He's back out there with one arm, hanging. Can't move it, but he's playing. I want to ask this question to both of you guys, since you're NFL reporters, you would uh, probably know this and or be able to theorize on it um, with the fact that the 49ers found out that not only is uh, Mostert going to be gone for eight weeks because they put him on IR, they decided to go ahead and have the surgery, which is definitely going to keep him out for the entire season because the rehab's upwards of six months. To respond to that, they signed... Carry on Johnson yesterday, who the Eagles, of course, had in camp this year and released rather early, as a matter of fact. Um, always injury issues with Carry on Johnson. That's why I see him as a, a kind of questionable signing. If you're bringing him in to replace an injured player, you bring him in and there's a good chance he's going to get injured too. How does that really help you? Um, there is the age-old question of, how much can the new team pick the brain of the new player when he has just left the team that they're facing this upcoming week? That is oftentimes stated when these type of moves happen. Is it overstated, John and Jeff? Is it uh, something that really can be beneficial to a new team when they sign a guy? Do they really come in with the secret sauce to be able to spill uh, to their new team? Here's the way they do it. Here's the way they call things. Here's what their uh, ideas look like. Is that something that's overstated? Well, the first thing I thought of was Malcolm Perry. When he signed with uh, the Patriots or they claimed him off waivers, I, I forget how, what the actual transaction was. And then they put him on IR. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely a let's prepare for Brian Flores in the Dolphins move. And the Patriots got a lot of yards and they probably would have beat Miami. And it, it was a lot of... I did notice a lot of like... And again, Flores is a Belichick disciple. But I did see a lot of... Miami stuff in New England's offenses and New England's defense definitely seemed to know where Tua was going to be at certain points. So I think it does help. I don't think carry on Johnson is unless, you know, Eli Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, Jermichael Hasey get hurt. I, you know, which with the 49ers, it's very possible. Uh, I definitely think it's okay. What does this guy do? Or what did this guy show you? It, it, they definitely asked that question. Well, coaches believe it. Uh, I know, you know, I, I actually joked about that on Twitter. And I said, oh, <laughs> the 49ers signed Kerryon Johnson to find out all Nick Sirianni's secrets. And uh, our buddy Ryan Paganetti actually tweeted at me. Yeah, that helps a lot. <laughs> so as a former coach, uh, 
they think it's serious. I think it's more uh, about the quarterback if you do it. As Cincinnati signed uh, Jake Browning. Um, I think that might help. I don't know about a running back. But the interesting thing, I got a trivia question for you guys. There are five former Eagles on, on the on the 49ers practice squad. Five. Five former really? Eagles. Really? Yeah. River Creek uh, practice. They're all over the place. <laughs> What's that? River Craycraft, is he still on that team? Yes, River. River's one of them. That's the hardest one. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed that you got there. Uh, Eagles fan favorite, Nate Gary, is on there. The unstoppable <laughs> Nate Sunfeld. Nate they got Nate. Uh, the, the unstoppable yeah. Nate Sunfeld. <laughs> He's in there. Carry on Johnson, obviously. And Jordan Matthews, uh, you know, making the shift oh, yeah, to tight end. Five different former Eagles on the on the 49ers practice squad. But I'm impressed that, that Jeff got River Craycraft because I thought that was the one nobody would get. <laughs> it's an easy thing to remember, John. That's all it is. Yeah. I so, JM. I, you know, but as far as picking the brain, what you know, you know, carry on Johnson's. Yeah. Again, if it's a quarterback, I'll listen to it, but I, I, I don't think it has much relevance. No, the, the Jets and Patriots did that every year for years when the Jets had the uh, uh, Patriot guys coming down to help out and become Jet head coach, uh, like uh, my favorite uh, Sopranos part-time actor, who was a bust, Mangini. Um, they, they've been playing that back-and-forth <laughs> game for years, uh, and I was just interested that it happened yesterday with the Eagles and the 49ers. All right, uh, J-Mac. Are you impressed with Nick Sirianni's playoff beard? It's getting a little big. I don't think he's shaved uh, in a while now. Are we going to see Nick Sirianni looking like Santa Claus soon enough if the Eagles keep winning games? Yeah, I think Shane Steichen might might have started that last week. He he just said you're too busy to shave this time of year. So I think it's more of too busy. You know, football coaches—they always got to work, work, work. They always got to. You know, but I do, I, you know, people have said, you know, you got to find something negative. You got to find something negative. So I found something negative. I'm getting really tired of everything with this coaching staff is everything is a T-shirt slogan. Everything, everything. Uh, just stop it. Stop it. Talk to me like a human being. Yesterday was feed, uh, feed the positive, weed the negative. That came from Shane Steichen. We always know. Now we got dog mentality with, with Nick Sirianni. Just talk to me like a human being. Leave that for the players. So, so you didn't like Sirianni repping the Philly stuff last week. Oh, he always does. He 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 <laughs> he panders. I ripped him for that too. He he came out with that Phillies gear. Jody'll tell you. I said, first of all, okay, fine. You want to rep, you wanna you wanna pander to the fans, but take off the green t-shirt underneath. You could tell somebody gave him that right in the press. What happens is they're in they're in the office, they're in the PR office, and they come out the PR door, and they got a tent because everything's got to be outside now because of COVID. And you could tell, you know, whether it was Bob Lang or Brett Strosacker, they handed him a Phillies T-shirt and a hat, and he put it on, and he still had his, his Eagle stuff on underneath. And, yeah, I mean, but, you know, people buy it. I understand why they do it, but people buy it, but... Yeah, I really we'll, for that. 
we'll see if the coach comes out in a media session with flyer stuff. If he's if he's got a gritty t-shirt on before the week is out, then I will absolutely jump on the stop the pandering bandwagon with you, uh, J Mac. Well, uh, we gotta wait for playoff time. He'll have he'll have Oh, he'll have Sixers gear on come playoff. I, I wanted to see him wearing like a trust the process or a rights to Ricky Sanchez t shirt. I, I, <laughs> I won't be really. Well, that's that that that's too focused, Jeff. You're you're just playing the one small significant portion. Hanging hang on to dear life, by the way. Yeah, that, that, you know, you don't have to worry about pandering to them anymore, I don't think. <laughs> That's probably true. All right, uh, J-Mac, one thing that uh, I mentioned last time on my show on, on WIP, and I'm th- th- here's my concern about it. It's not a big concern, but it, I got to admit that it's niggling a little bit in the back of my mind. They kicked the Falcons took us up and down the field last week. They've gotten some props for it. Not a ton. I did want to run this by specifically for Jeff Kerr's uh, uh, numbers. Uh, the power rankings across the league from the major media outlets, uh, CBS still has them at 23. Now they're up a couple slots, but that's still well into that's the deep, 20s. Yeah. He's, USA, he's <laughs> USA Today, 22. Sports Illustrated, 18th. NFL Network, work, 17th. ESPN, 21. So the highest they got is 17. They're not in the top half of the league yet, even though they won as impressively as they did. Any chance for even a small part of maybe smelling themselves a little bit this week that this side of the uh, New Orleans Saints beat down at the Packers, they probably had the most impressive and lopsided victory. Is there any chance for overconfidence in that locker room? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we asked Nick that right after the game. I mean, it's human nature almost. And, um, they have so many young players they're counting on, especially playmakers. Um, it's easy to, and and that's one of the most impressive thing about Jalen Hurts. Because when I was talking to Jalen, it was, you know, I, I always say he always talks about rap poison, and, and he got that from Nick Saban, and people assume that's negative. He said, "Well, at Alabama, it's positive. Everybody's patting you on the back. You're, you're beating everybody. Everybody's telling you how great you are." Uh, and that could have just as much an effect, a negative effect on you as losing. And and we asked Barrett about that yesterday, Jody, as a former player. And he said, yeah, it's 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 probably easier to dial in after you get beaten badly than when you beat somebody badly. It's just I think it's just human nature. Yeah, that's a big test for Nick Sirianni this week. He's got to keep these guys focused. I don't think you have to worry about the veterans. They understand, but especially some of the younger guys, um, you got to find a way. That's that's part of the job. I mean, that's, you know, find a way to keep these guys locked in, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Well, I, I got it too, Devonta Smith. Um, first off, I thought his press conference was brilliant. Um, you know, it, it doesn't look like he'll get – caught up in the hype of anything just based There's on an Alabama guy. He's the, yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know where, where they put the ball. It'll, it'll find me or, you know, or, you know, Oh, people text me. I'll text them. That type of thing. I, I was loving that. So yeah, he definitely looked like he, he, he won't get caught up in it. I'm worried about him on the other wide receiver there. Jalen Rager. He's back on Twitter now. So. Well, yeah, that there's a perfect example. That's not an Alabama guy. So 
he's probably, you know, probably hyped up and saying, oh, look, and he's turned the corner. He had such a difficult rookie season, uh, has such a good debut, six of six targets, the touchdown, which he should thank Jordan Mailata for. But he did read the block really well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example. That's the player you really – that type of player is who you really got to look at. Kenny Gainwell as well, very young player. Uh, getting a lot of pats on the back. Um, yeah, it's some, It's definitely something to keep an eye on. And it's definitely something Nick is aware of. Again, he's aware of stuff like this. And I think it's that's 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 a very positive sign. Right. If you're going to deal with it correctly, you got to be able to acknowledge and spot it before it ever hits and give Sirianni credit for being that kind of guy on top of stuff here in his early rain days as the Eagles coach. Jay Mack, no, you got a busy day. Thanks for hopping on with us, buddy. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. John McMullen be back here at the top of the show again tomorrow as my co-host. But I got Jeff Kerr as my co-host today. Make the most of it. Come back. Talk some more birds. Got a good guest coming up. In hour number two, we'll tell you about that when we continue here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the 
toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Damn, whenever I see that, I'm like, let's get to the post-game show. Let's get the Eagle game over and done with. Got to get to the post-game show. Pretty cool. Hope you enjoyed the post-game show here last Sunday on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Be right back at it again after the Eagle game. Hopefully a victory on Sunday with the 49ers coming to town. Uh, Jeff Kerr, I know that one of your responsibilities every week writing for CBS is to judge divisional strength. And the Eagles got a very good win in their opener against the Falcons, but uh, we need to keep it in a perspective and we'll have a better idea of how that perspective is after week number two with what the Eagles do, also what the Falcons do. Yeah, I think the Falcons are going to be a pretty poor team. I think they're going to be a bottom five team in the NFL this year. Uh, that's just my read on the Falcons. So you got to keep that in a proper perspective. In the NFC East, which last year, at least I did, and I I know I was not alone calling the NFC least, uh, we're off to a uh, flying start again in the division with the Eagles in sole possession of first place at 1-0, the other three teams being a loser. Is it going to be the NFC least again this year? Yeah, I'll tell you what. They're better. I will say that. they. I did not rank them last. I ranked them Sixth. Um, so these were the teams that ultimately, you know, I, I got to give the Eagles a lot of credit here. They made the division look really strong. I know they played the Falcons. The Giants look terrible. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, NFC lease is back. But you have to look at it this way. The Dallas Cowboys took the Super Bowl champions to the brink. And, you know, whatever you think about Dallas is fine. That's still – they could have got blown out by Tampa Bay. And they probably should have. But Tampa, they did force four turnovers. So I have to give Dallas a lot of credit in that regard. And they forced a lot of turnovers last year. They were top ten in takeaways. So overall, the Eagles and Cowboys definitely put them above, uh, you know, last place. And Washington, they lost their quarterback. I thought it was an impressive road win for the Chargers. But still, you know, Washington gave them a good fight. And they were the division champions at 7-9. and nine. So I looked at it as this is not the worst division in football. They're not. They are not the worst division in football. The worst division in football was the NFC North by far in week one. Yeah, they went 0-4. And, and, oh, by the way, the Green Bay Packers had the most embarrassing defeat, not only losing to the Saints, but getting crushed by the Saints. So I think the, the numbers are pretty much stark and jump out that the NFC North was the worst after week number one. Will they stay that way? Uh, you mentioned the injury to Ryan Fitzpatrick down in the nation's capital. Uh, Taylor Heineke played pretty well last year in the Redskins playoff game against Tampa. We just gave the Cowboys credit for hanging tough with Tampa. Well, so did the Washington football team in that opening round playoff game last year. Eventually came up short and eventually Brady just kept beating everybody else in his way while he was at it to win another Super Bowl ring. Um, and again, he played okay. He wasn't the reason he lost. Washington actually took the lead after trailing in the game when Heineke came in. What kind of uh, QB setup do you think they're going to have in D.C. going forward? Uh, the coaches kind of denied everybody's questions on would they bring in Cam Newton, and I don't blame him for that. 
Not that Cam isn't talented enough, but Cam, no one can shoot himself in the foot like Cam Newton. He just knows how to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. But I digress. I was asking you about Taylor Heineke. What do you think about him as the starting quarterback of the Washington football team going forward? Well, like you pointed out, Jody, they probably shouldn't have lost that game Sunday. Antonio Gibson fumbled at like the 11 or 12-yard line, and uh, L.A. took advantage of it right away because they have a really good quarterback in Justin Herbert. So, uh, again, it's – I think they'll be fine with Taylor Heineke. Uh, you know, they almost beat Tampa Bay in a playoff game last year. Uh, Long term is where – I'm concerned. I think for a couple weeks, they can get by with him, uh, you know, depending on how long Fitzpatrick's out. It looks like it's going to be four to six weeks. I, I don't know if Taylor Heineke can do that for four to six weeks and they can kind of stay afloat. I didn't check Washington's schedule after this week. I know they don't play Philadelphia for a while, so who knows who the Eagles will see come week 14, week 15. But we have to look at it as, okay, I, I think they can get by the Giants with him. And I think if you give that after Thursday is where I'm concerned. If you bring in a guy like Cam Newton, for example, because you're bringing in Cam to be the starting quarterback of this franchise, you're not bringing them in to be Taylor Heineke's backup. But Ramavera really does like Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. He thinks he can win football games with them, and with their defense and running game, they should. And if Heineke can get the ball to Terry McLaurin and his playmakers there, I know Curtis Samuel's been out. He's going to be out for a couple more weeks now. Logan Thomas looks like he's a real deal at tight end. And what I like about Heineke is their offensive line isn't really that great and he can escape some pressure. So he can run the ball a bit. So I think for, for now they're going to go with Heineke and I think they'll reevaluate after Thursday. Here's uh, the Washington schedule. Since you asked um, what the giants this week at home, absolutely a winnable game at Buffalo the week after and Buffalo's already got a bad loss. That's not good. At Atlanta the week after, well, we saw what the Eagles did when they went down to Atlanta, went through it like Sherman. Uh, so I'd give the, the Washington football team the same chance. But then it gets really interesting. Home New Orleans, what are the Saints? Are they the beast that they look like week one or the team that I thought they were going to be a 500 team? Uh, Kansas City the week after that, before after having to go on the road, at Green Bay and at Denver, that's not an easy way to start the season for the Washington football team. No, not. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking at that schedule, and, yeah, it's kind of like the Eagles' early season schedule in a bit. It's like, okay, you could pencil in Yale, you could pencil in Yale. You don't want to put the pen, obviously, because they got to play. But, yeah, I just don't – you know, I, I'll tell you what I was shocked about, Judy. I, I thought beating the Chargers was a must for Washington. Not because I think the Chargers are bad, but – they were home, and the fact that Chase Young, Montez Sweat, those guys could not catch our offensive line, and Justin Herbert pretty much was clean all day long. That's scary. So I'm wondering how good are the Chargers? Because remember, they ended the year on a four-game winning streak, and Herbert played really well. And then they go to Washington and beat the MCs champions. I'll bet they were seven to nine last year, but still, that's an impressive win for them. So. I'm looking at this, man, Washington could be really behind the eight ball here. And I thought the Giants were the same way. The Giants should match up better with the Denver Broncos than they did. And their defense got absolutely torched in that game, especially on the ground. Melvin Gordon does not run for 75 yards against anybody anymore. But he did against a Patrick Graham defense. Daniel Jones looked terrible. Saquon's hurt. It's – 
I can't wait for tomorrow night. It's going to be interesting because one of these teams are going to be 0-2, and, and I have a feeling that the one that is 0-2 is done in this division. I would suggest that Saquon Barkley's going to have a much better game um, this week. He runs for 130 yards at Washington all the time. So. Right. And, and I think he just needed to get game action back under his belt after being out as long as he was. I expect Saquon Barkley to be much better this upcoming week. I got no idea what Daniel Jones is going to do. Hey, the guy just scares me. Anytime he's got the football, he seems to be a turnover waiting to happen. Uh, he was able to add a couple stats toward the uh, overall line last week with an, oh, by the way, touchdown at the end of the game that really meant nothing, uh, but it did uh, make his stats look okay. I think that's the question. Taylor Heineke is a backup quarterback who's going to be given a chance to shine here for the next couple of weeks. Well, that's what I think Daniel Jones is, even though he's been a starter since they took the ball away from Eli Manning and handled it to Jones. That's all I look at him as, as a backup quarterback in this league. It's actually hilarious, Jody. I, I swear, Giants fans are the only fan base in the world. And you know, everybody wants to say Eagles fans are delusional. Giants fans actually think Daniel Jones is A, a good quarterback, B, Joe Judge is a good coach, C, their offensive line isn't as bad as we in the national media make it out to be. They are. And their defense is better than Washington. They're better than you know Tampa Bay or any of them. Yeah, they were a top 10 defense last year. I'll give Patrick Graham a lot of credit, but they might be a little overrated too. I, I told people this. Giants are going to finish last in this division. There's, It's just a calamity of things that are going to fall apart this year. They were not a good football team last year. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle with no fans. Let, let's put it in their perspective here. I'm not ready to write off Judge yet. You're not alone in that. There are some people that already think that they've seen enough of Judge and uh, he's a taskmaster, and he tries to be Belichickian, and he's not Belichick. He'd not be the first guy to come off the Belichick tree and try and be too much like their mentor and then not be able to pull it off. Uh, but I, I, I thought the Giants at least stayed together and played together as a team last year, and they were in the race until the very last week of the season. Yes, the very weak NFC least race, but they were in that race and had to win the last game, and they did. So I'm not ready to write off uh, Joe Judge just yet. Oh, Daniel Jones, I'll write off. I don't think he can be a starting quarterback in the league. I've seen enough of him. He's got an extra year on Judge. I've gotten a better look at him than I have at the, the Giants head coach. So I'm not ready to give up on Judge yet. Jones, I surely am. Um, yeah, they kind of need this game. I know that uh, it's the second week of the season, but everybody in the division has a very similar schedule in that they play one game early on, against the division opponent for the Eagles. It's Dallas the week after uh, Giants and, and the uh, Washington football team play early. And then everything is packed into the last five weeks of the season. They all play each other the last five weeks over and over and over. You can get tired of talking about, oh, it's an NFC East matchup. It's the whole last month of the season, as a matter of fact. So this is a key game for both of these two teams because they both get out 0-1. And yeah, if you lose that first game in division, knowing you're going to get all those games late in the year, it's going to be a hole it's difficult to get out of. Yeah, and here's the thing, Jody. Like, going into this game, I thought Washington, if any of the two teams, if you would ask me which team's going to be on one going into this game, I probably would have said Washington because I'm really high on the Chargers. But the Broncos just put the – they laid the hammer down on this football team. And I'm like, okay, Teddy Bridgewater ain't that good, but, you know, he was throwing the ball all over the place and – you know, uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, uh, uh, Dolphins offensive, uh, I mean, uh, Broncos offensive line just 
manhandled the Giants up front. Larry Williams looked terrible that game. It's Giants need this game. They need a heck of a lot more than Washington does. It's they can't get off to a one and five start again. Luckily, the Giants are playing the one team in that division they know they can beat. Because I, if I'm if I was correct, they beat Washington both times last year. Yeah, I think they did. As a matter of fact, you know uh, what they did because I remember their first his first two career wins were against Washington. They got him. They got him late in the year because. Uh, uh, that kept them in the playoff hunt because they were able to beat Washington late in the year. What week was it? Uh, I don't remember. But I, I know they played Washington late in this. Uh, the, the Giants played Washington late in the season were able to get a win. So, um, no, I, I'm wrong about that. They did beat them twice. You're right. Giants beat them twice, but both games were in the middle of the season. 2019 yeah. at New York and 23-20. So both games were close. Um, but, yeah, they did beat the uh, Washington football team twice. So we'll see if they can do so uh, this week upcoming. This week, I should say tomorrow night upcoming because they are the Thursday night game. All right, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. Come back. Continue to talk birds. Yeah, maybe a little bit more of a national feel because the guest we've got coming in hour number two is one of the best in the business when it comes to the entire National Football League. CBS's insider Jason Lockham Four is going to join us. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Coming up on hour number two on this hump day edition of March 365. Wednesday means we start to turn the attention a little bit. We already have. Um, first two days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, third, third day, if you consider after the game Sunday night part of the week conversation. You're either singing the praises of a winning effort or you're questioning what the hell happened on a losing effort this week. It was glory, glory, hallelujah, because the Eagles did a beatdown on the Atlanta Falcons. We now start to look ahead to the 49ers, and I want to do some of that uh, with Jeff Kerr uh, here. Uh, I do want to mention someone shot me a, a tweet. They're going, Jody, uh, and during the break, yes, I did refill my coffee. Outstanding. Hot, too. Um, someone mentioned uh, – is that stateside vodka you have in that big travel mug that you have for you? Could only wish, right? Uh, one of our sponsors I mentioned yesterday, if they wanted to send over samples for the hosts of Birds 365, I would certainly be willing to do any sampling that they needed for stateside vodka. And I would use the Rocks class, not my uh, coffee travel mug uh, that I use daily here on Birds 365, but no, unfortunately, it is not a little early to be hitting the stateside. But for them, I would maybe make an exception during Birds 365. Stay tuned for details on future episodes. All right, this episode, Jeff Kerr, as we turn our attention to the 49ers going forward, both you and uh, Johnny Mack kind of said, yeah, don't worry about Kerryon Johnson. He, he may have forgotten everything that he learned in the Birds camp before he was released and is now a 49er. Um, but I was surprised last week by the 49ers and that after Mostert went out, they turned to this Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. I talked about this yesterday on the show. I've got my uh, NFL draft guides right next to me. Uh, the SIS football rookie handbook is one that I use. My buddy uh, Rick Saratella with his NFL draft Bible. I remember reading about Mitchell last year. I can honestly tell you I never saw him play at Nevada, so, excuse me, at Louisiana, so I know that that's not LSU, that's the University of Louisiana. I had never seen the kid play, but both of those uh, two uh, draft guides uh, did uh, give him a chance to be an NFL draft pick, and sure enough, the Niners took him in the sixth round, and he debuts with a 100-yard game when Mosert goes out. I was surprised that Trey Sermon was not the guy. I did not even know that Sermon was a healthy scratch for week one. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, he rushed for 331 yards. We discussed this before the game in last year's Big Ten Championship uh, against Northwestern. That's individually. That's not a team. That's not Ohio State. Sermon himself rushed for 331 yards in one game, a conference championship game. That's what got him drafted well before Mitchell did, and he was a healthy scratch last week. Um, just a numbers game of rewarding Mitchell because he was that good in camp. Why do you think he was the guy who was Johnny on the spot to pick up promotion when he went down with the injury last night over a guy like Trey Sermon? Oh, yeah, like Mitchell really did have a good preseason. And, you know, when I was doing some 49ers stuff, everybody was talking about oh, Jimmy G and Trey Lance. And, you know, I'm watching a 49ers preseason game, and I'm like, okay, Eli Mitchell doesn't look terrible and you know I didn't think he was a bad player in college at all but it was like you know and I I figured okay how many running backs is this team gonna keep who are they gonna cut and they kept Eli Mitchell and I'm like okay you know I get that you know this team gets hurt all the time I'm sure Raheem Mostert will injure something week one well Raheem Mostert injured something week one and he's done for the season so I didn't think he would be the guy over Trey Sermon right away but it was a really good matchup against a Detroit defense that, you know, if you get Eli Mitchell in the second level, he is going to beat you. 19 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. It's, again, I think this is where the 49ers are really going to unleash Trey Sermon this week because Eagles linebackers did not have a good week tackling. Um, they didn't really have a good preseason tackling, if you want to be honest, the entire defense. But this is a week where, I think you're going to see a combination of Trey Sermon and Eli Mitchell. And if you can get Mitchell the outside and then that second level, it, it could be a long day for the Eagles defense. All right. Last week, Eagles defense gave up 124 yards rushing on 26 attempts. That's not a bad number. That's almost five per attempt for Atlanta. But they got away from the running game after the first two series in which they kind of gutted the Eagles on the ground. Um, but then uh, they were trailing. They had to throw the ball that much more. They couldn't do that effectively. Did we find out week one, are the Eagles going to be a team that you can run against, you can't run against? It's going to be a week-to-week thing. How would you uh, rank and or rate the Eagles' run defense one week into the season? Uh, to be determined. Um, I'll go in incomplete right now. I mean, I wasn't too happy – Mike Davis was running all over the place on the Eagles defense and making Jannard Avery look like he was on skates at certain points. But the Eagles did make a lot of crucial third down stops against the run when they had to on the third and shorts. And then the foul, 
you know, when they took the 15 to six halftime lead, the Falcons just got away from it. And it's just weird for Arthur Smith because he's used Derrick Henry so much over the years. But I think he realized Mike Davis isn't Derrick Henry. And yeah. I got to, I got to figure something out here. And you know, that, that was Kyle Shanahan's going to run the ball down your throat. He don't care if he's down 10. He don't care if he's down 20. But oh, ultimately, you want to get this team in third and long situations because that, that's what they set themselves up for. They set themselves up for third and manageable, and then they can use Jimmy Garoppolo and his ability to hit pretty much any slam in the NFL or any out route in the league. Or you can use Trey Lance and really throw in a curveball there because he has a, he's a threat to run. So basically, how to contain this team just don't give up the big runs. Do not give up the 10-yard runs. Don't give up the seven-yard runs on first down. I think this week will be a better indicator of where we think the Eagles' run defense is. If I had to grade them, I don't even think I grade them right now. I just think I grade them and then complete because I want to grade the defense as a whole. But this week we'll get a really good idea of how much the Eric Singleton uh, – Eric Singleton, uh, Eric Wilson, um, Denard Avery will hurt this team going forward because they were on my stock down list for – uh, the Eagles this week. I didn't have many, but those two were definitely on it. Fair enough. Uh, one guy who I hope his stock stays high this week because it's higher than it's ever been, let's be honest, uh, is Jordan Mailata. Uh, the Eagles made a commitment to him prior to the game on Sunday, gave him a big contract extension, which for my money, he absolutely earned and deserved because he wasn't a battle for the left tackle spot preseason with Andre Dillard and easily dispatched him. Uh, so he's going to be the man on the left side for the Eagles for the next several years. We're going to get a nice little litmus test here in week number two because Mr. Bose is coming to town and he's as good a speed rushing outside pass rusher as there is in the National Football League. Right now, Jordan Mailata is way up here. And that one block, he had the best block in the entire game uh, for the Jalen Rager, sprung him for the touchdown game. So he's got everything going for him, including a serious highlight on tape. If Joey Bosa gets to the quarterback a couple of times, yeah, my lot is going to come right back down to earth. Um, we sometimes overreact members of the media. I know the fan base does uh, with guys who have short-term success, and Jordan still got a lot to prove, even though the Eagles put faith in him by doing the contract extension. How's my lot of going to play against Bosa this week? <laughs> it may not even be just Nick Bosa. D Ford, Eric Armstead. Oh, man. It's what a trial by fire. Well, my lot doesn't have to block all of them. He's only got to block one guy. It is going to be Nick Bosa. And yeah, uh, he's going to have to earn his money this week because even good days against Nick Bosa, he gets to the quarterback and Nick Bosa. I, I'm sure when he found out Taylor Decker was hurt for Detroit. He kind of smiled a little bit because that freed up so much for him. And, you know, Nick Bosa is going to be a man on a mission this year because he tore his ACL last year and missed pretty much all, all the season. I actually – that was my dark horse for defensive player of the year last year, Nick Bosa. And then he got hurt, and I'm like, okay, well, that's gone. But, man, this guy is a transcending talent. Uh, you know, defensive rookie of the year at nine sacks his rookie year. was, And you could argue he was the third best defensive end on that uh, NFC championship team. But – this guy is going to pressure him all day long. He is going to be in Jordan Malata's face. He's going to make every spin move, every swim move to get past this guy. I think Jordan Malata is going to be one of the better offensive tackles he's seen in a while because obviously he hasn't played much, but it's going to be a test. And the ultimate test for me, Jody, is going to be when Nick Bosa goes outside. 
will Jordan Mailata bite and kind of fall for the bait? Or is he going to just stand his ground and make sure pretty much that Nick Bosa doesn't get around him and go to Jalen Hurts? Because Jordan Mailata is fast enough to stick with him. But does Jordan Mailata trust his instincts? Does he trust them instead of his physical ability? We know his physical ability, but physical ability can get you burned in this league sometimes. This goes back to one of the things John said earlier today when he was on with us, uh, Mr. McMullen, and has said throughout the, the preseason, it's one of the things about Jalen Hurts they continually monitor. When the pressure gets high and hot and fast, Jordan likes to escape to the right. He likes to sprint out of the pocket. One of the things the coaching staff has been getting on him is every once in a while, the better move would probably to be climbing the pocket and step up into the pocket. Well, if Nick Bose is going to go real wide on Jordan Mailata and he decides to sprint out to the right, Bose is one of the guys who's fast enough in the league to actually run down Jalen Hurts from behind. So we'll see if this week Jalen does the right thing, which may, and it'll be a handful of plays out of all the past plays they have, um, when he needs to step up in the pocket because Mailata has to give up the outside and try and push Bosa around the pocket. We'll see if that works with my with uh, Jalen Hurts stepping up into the pocket. Got another offensive line question for you, and I know it's not eagle immediate um, important, but it will be at some point this year because they do play the Detroit Lions. I would surprise. I didn't even know this, and it's my my bad. I should have. Panay Sewell was moved over to the right hand side. This oh that, year. yeah, yeah. They did that way, way, way long ago, like before even training camp started, because they have Taylor Decker and they signed Decker to an extension. Uh, I think he's one of the higher paid offensive tackles in football now. Which again, it's going to be like Milada. It's going to be a really good deal uh, down the road. But yeah, it's. Because everybody's like, okay, why they get Panay Sewell when they have Taylor Decker? I'm like, well, because you can have both of them. And uh, honestly, it's almost like a Lane Johnson type thing, like when the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson. They had Jason Pierce. Well, now they got – Panay Sewell's never really played right tackle. He's learning it. But Dan Campbell was pretty hell-bent on saying, look, I don't plan on moving him. Like, he's getting better at right tackle. He's starting to understand that position. So that's how they're, they're lining it up. And I'll tell you what, Jody, uh, before Decker got hurt, you look at Detroit's offensive line, like Frank right now, and you know all those guys. They got a really, really good offensive line, and they're all young. I think Decker's the oldest at twenty-seven. It's it, he's definitely trying to build that team in the trenches, and they started on the offensive line, and they want to go defensive line next. I know that's going to take a while, but they were able to keep uh, um, Romeo Okura, so that was a big signing. And Trey Flowers has been a disappointment, but he's not terrible. But overall, it's. Yeah, I, I mean, when they traded to Panay Sewell, and he struggled in training camp a bit learning it, but he said, you know, new position, I'll get it, I'll get it. He has been getting better every week from the preseason games I watched. And on Sunday, I didn't think he had, he played that bad. And I like Decker, and I know how good Decker is. I'm sorry, you make that high commitment in the first round with a draft pick? He gets the left tackle position. You ask Decker to figure out how to play right tackle. That would have been the way I handled it. Well, well Decker probably would have moved, too. Like, that's just the way – Decker is like I think he would have I just think maybe it's hey you know maybe they'll do this after this year but I think he Dan Campbell just wants his offensive lineman to be as versatile as possible well, it's nice to say that but uh, I'm sure they said that to Andre Dillard too oops how'd that go when they tried to move him to the right well, that was right with your left hand Jody uh, it's yeah. a lame excuse by the way and I get it like as someone who learned that in high school but it's 
I, I never made it to be as difficult as it. I didn't play tackle here. I was guarding. <laughs> some people can pull it off. Others can't. It's nice for the coaches to say, I want everybody to be able to be flexible and play both sides and play inside and outside. It's a great idea and concept, but then reality smacks you in the face and some guys can do it and others can't. All right. A couple of other, other NFL things I want to get into kind of around the league. Were you following this story about hard knocks yesterday? Oh, so I actually made a joke about that at work when I found out. I'm like, are we because they're getting rid of our of all or nothing? Or I think that's the rumor anyway. They're getting rid of all or nothing. Are they going to make an in season hard knocks? Because they got to do something. Because hard knocks sucked this year. I finally finished it. It sucked. I hated it. I thought it was going to be this really cool thing. No, uh, the only thing I found out was. Dak and Zeke have a bromance, and which I already kind of do. And Jerry Jones puts salt on his McRiddles. That's it. Uh, it wasn't a good season. And I had faith that it was going to be a good season because Jones is as good a promoter of his product, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, as maybe any owner in all of sports. He has run up the value of his team and done a very good job promoting it. But when the highlight of the show is the drone – that comes onto your property to give you an inside movable look at the very uh, nice suit borderline tremendous facility that you've uh, built down there in the Lone Star State. That was the highlight of the show. That's not good. That tells you the team had zero personality. Uh, I was disappointed too. But the first thought was when they made the announcement yesterday, there's going to be an announcement about the future of Hard Knocks on Thursday why? Why would they do something? It's got to be that the show is canceled. It's run its course. It's jumped the shark to use a happy days uh, phrase, uh, which I was unfortunately bummed about because I loved Hard Knocks. I never missed an episode in all the seasons they showed. If I didn't see it live, I saw it after the fact. I'm a diehard fan. I get it. It wasn't what it used to be. I didn't know that it should be put out the pasture. And now, yes, there is this theory, and you espoused it, and others have as well, that they're going to make it an in-season thing. Is that a smart thing? Is is that what Hard Knocks is supposed to be, an in-season follow of the team? That came to me as a major surprise that they would go there and try and make it an in-season thing. Well, I think part of the issue is, and I've talked to a couple players about this, especially Andy Reid coach players, Training camp is so much different now. It's not the two-a-days anymore. It's not the you get beat up unless you play for Andy Reid, essentially, for you know two, three hours. I mean, now it's like 90 minutes or whatever. I mean, we saw the Knicks area eye practices. And they don't do anything anymore. And, you know, I think that's why Hard Knocks is part of why Hard Knocks isn't that great anymore. But you go in season now, and now you get the drama. Now you get – say we do the Giants, for example. Maybe they do a Hard Knocks on the Giants-Washington uh, game. And then you get to see how the players really react to Joe Judge or and the Falcons, for example. You know, they think Arthur Smith is a bum or, you know, whatever. I think you get you get more of the in-season stuff, uh, all, all the fun stuff. I, I always notice this too, interviewing players in the regular season. They always try to watch themselves a little bit for what they say because it does come back to bite them. And uh, I know for a couple of players I've talked to, it has come back to bite them. But overall, it's that's when you get the most authentic – quotes the most authentic stuff during a football game because it's real. Like, for example, like McMullen said today, Jason Kelsey cursing up a storm because he hurt his elbow. 
during the game. But he's out for a play and he comes right back. It's that type of thing. That That's something I want to see. So they do a hard knocks like, like that, I'm back in, baby. So do you think it would be through the game, not just the lead up to the game, but through the game and then air on a Monday or a Tuesday thereafter after you have the results of the game? That's how you think it's going to be done on a timeline basis? I think that's how they should do it. I think they should do like an hour, hour and a half show. Because HBO, you got to remember, HBO doesn't have inside the NFL anymore. They haven't had it for a long time. Um, we have it now on Paramount+. Plus. So that content is gone. They really don't have that much sports content anymore because obviously the boxing stuff is done. Um, maybe this is their way of getting back into sports a little bit. And, you know, if you get the week leading in, the game and the immediate stuff in the post game, you turn around quick – get it in by, you know, Tuesday, it could be something, Jody. I mean, this is something I will watch for 17 weeks. They're going to announce the details of it uh, come tomorrow uh, before the Thursday night football game. I'm interested to see it. I was a little bummed out there because I thought for sure it was no more hard knocks, but an in-season one could be interesting depending on how they handle it. And I need your take on one other thing. And this uh, hits home for you, not so much for a guy like me who's just a talk show host. Um, the Denver Bronco media in attempting to set up their conference call slash Zoom session with Urban Meyer of the Jacksonville Jaguars this week's Broncos opponent were told the coach is not going to make himself available. Now, up until this year, the NFL had always mandated that a coach talk to the visiting media that have a uh, media session. Like, essentially. Right. I think Colin will do it with Shanahan today. And and as I said, the NFL made it optional this year, rather than previously where it was mandatory. So the first to opt out was Urban Meyer this week with the Denver media because, oh, by the way, his team got their rear ends kicked by the team that everyone thought was going to be the worst team in the National Football League, the Houston Texans. Texans. So Urban Meyer is running and hiding right off the bat. Jeff Kerr, as a media guy who depends on stuff like this, your thoughts on Urban Meyer opting out of giving the out-of-towns media a chance to ask him questions in the start of a football week? Well, I'll say this. I know how to get around it because I get every quote from the Jaguars regardless, and maybe I, I – one of my big things is I adjust and I, I know it's different for beat guys. Beat guys have a much, in my opinion, a much harder task than someone like me would, but I would definitely reach out to Jacksonville Jaguars this week. If I was a Denver Broncos beat guy and say, what has he got? You know, can we get your PR? You know, can we get your quote sheet? Can we get all that? Cause Jaguars have a really good media portal. They're actually really accessible when it comes to that. So that's why I was kind of surprised when I heard Urban Meyer wasn't going to do that, but you do get more when you get that, that 10, 15 minutes with that coach than any hearsay you'll get from Urban Meyer. I just think Urban Meyer's just being stubborn because I'm not 190 in 10 at whatever, you know, whatever his college record is now. I don't even remember. But, you know, he's going to lose games in the National Football League, especially with this team. He doesn't have an offensive line. His defense is allowed an NFL record 24-plus points in 17 consecutive games. It's beyond ridiculous how bad the Jaguars' defense has been over the last year. And, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. But I, I would just improvise. I, I really would. I would just, it, it, you know, if I'm a media member, yeah, I am. I would contact Jaguars PR and say, hey, what's he saying on 
Wednesday to the beat guys, Thursday to the beat guys, where the court air saying Friday to the beat guys. And I just base your story off from there. Now that it's, now that it's optional, it's a shame. Uh, it's, this should not happen, but I have a feeling this is a trend that's going to continue. And I think we're going to see this. Like I know guys are getting their credentials denied. Um, my team, you, you, you should put everybody in there. It's weird now. It, it, it really is. It's, it's definitely a different era in the NFL, which is why I feel fortunate that I'm able to have the relationship I have with a lot of these teams' PR staffs, and I'm able to get a lot of quotes from around the league. Good for you, but not everybody has that relationship, as you correctly yeah, exactly. state. Yeah. And specifically, if you want to do a specific story, a feature-type story, and you need a quote from the coach – you want to be able to ask that question because you want to be able to direct a, a major storyline that you may be having. Now you have to adjust your story to what the coach had said that you had no uh, chance to ask him a question on. It's unfortunate. It really is. I, I really understand. Is. And, and again, this is one of those things. Maybe it's just me being a pie in the sky optimist that I'm hoping is COVID related. I think, Fear that it's not because they kept it as mandatory last year and it was worse last year. So this year they're again saying, well, it's a don't know that the coach has enough time because there's so many protocols. You got to jump through. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that this is the beginning of the new way of doing things. But here's the thing. It's a conference call. So why would it be COVID related? You know, that's what upsets me. It's you get a dial in number. The Eagles send you this. They give you a dial-in number, you call, and then you can ask your question. You get, like, 15, 20 minutes with the guy. It's it's honestly a perfect, like, eye on the enemy, like, breaking down whatever the coach is doing. And from what I heard, Arthur Smith was very accommodating last week. And good for uh, Arthur Smith because uh, he had to win over some points some way because he didn't win it over with his coaching when the game actually took place. All right, uh, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back. Jeff Carr, Jody McDonald, your Birds 365 guys. We're hoping to hear from Jason Lockonfour, CBS NFL insider uh, at a dentist appointment. So he said, I may be a couple minutes late. Well, he's a couple minutes late, uh, but that's okay. We're hoping Jason checks in. We'll get him up and punch him up as soon as he does join us. If not, we'll continue to uh, look ahead to the Eagles and the 49ers coming up on Sunday, game number two of the Nick Sirianni era, right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, 
and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. We are Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jeff Curran for John McMullen. John's got COVID testing again today. He was here in hour number one. Uh, punch him up as a guest if uh, you're just tuning in now. Yeah, feel free to go back and watch the first hour. Jay Mack was good. Jeff Carr always good when he sits in with us. We're waiting on um, Jason Lockham for a CBS NFL insider who's supposed to hop aboard sometime here during our last hour. Uh, J.K., Fun coaching matchup this week between the 49ers and the Eagles because Nick Sirianni gets A-plus grades for play calling in game number one in his era here in Philadelphia. Something I had no idea he was going to be able to accomplish because we had no idea what kind of play caller he was going to be. Never did it before. And I don't count the preseason where they kept it as vanilla. as It wasn't even vanilla bean. It was just plain vanilla what the Eagles did in the preseason. So I didn't know what kind of play caller Nick Sirianni was going to be. He gets an A-plus for yours truly. Matching up against Kyle Shanahan, one of the most proclaimed play callers in the National Football League. How much does Sirianni use this as a personal challenge in game number two against San Fran? Well, again, Kyle Shanahan is, in my opinion, one of the top ten coaches in this league. And if it wasn't for injuries last year, I think the 49ers would have probably won the NFC West and went back to the playoffs. Um, you know, it's just the you know the reality of the situation. I forget what his exact record is with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starting quarterback, but it's over it's over a seventy uh, winning percentage. It's really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a good test for Nick, and you know, it's. I thought Arthur Smith was a good test for Nick just because Arthur Smith was the hot coaching hire and the Falcons were able to get him. And Nick kind of blew, blew him out of the water a bit. Now we'll see what he does against, in my opinion, a, a really good coach in Kyle Shanahan. And obviously you're going to go against um, you know, one of the greatest himself in a couple of weeks and Andy Reid and you get to go against Bruce Arians. So, yeah, the, these next couple of weeks, it's, it's going to be a test for him, no doubt. And I'm curious to see what he has in store for – 
I think the real matchup here is Nick Sirianni versus D'Amico Ryans because D'Amico Ryans has a lot on his plate this week. He is not Robert Sala yet. Uh, he's got the talent, but does D'Amico Ryan, you know, what's he have in store for this Eagles offense? Let me ask you about the uh, QB of the 49ers, and I'm not talking about Trey Lance, who did go in and throw a touchdown pass on the one and only pass that he did throw. So uh, much was made of the dueling quarterback situation. It really wasn't. It was just an early, let's get Trey on the field, get him some success, and damn if it didn't work. Uh, Garoppolo, 17 of 25, 314 yards. He only threw one touchdown, but he did not throw any picks. Um, we know what Jimmy G's overall career arc has been. Backup forever by uh, Tom Brady, then becomes San Francisco starter. Is the quarterback of the team that makes it to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't say he carried them to the Super Bowl. It was their defense and their running game, but he certainly was an able participant. Gets hurt last year. They draft the quarterback high. Now he's even going to be their starter. Well, he threw for 300 yards in game number one. What are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo coming into town this week as San Francisco's quarterback? Uh, how big a game is he sitting on? Well, you know what was shocking to me about the Super Bowl loss, Jody? Jimmy Garoppolo was really, really good in the fourth quarter. That entire season had over 105 passer rating, and they were slinging the ball in the fourth quarter. They were protecting leads. It wasn't like they were getting ultra conservative. So when he went like four for 11 or for like and missed that, uh, play, uh, who was it to? Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, when he missed that play to him, I was like, whoa, like, what happened to this guy? Like, all of a sudden, it's like he had a brick wall and just never got back up. So, you know, it's hard to make anything out of Jimmy Garoppolo, but him and Kyle Shanahan together, they do work. They do win games. And is this a big game for Jimmy G? I don't think it's a big game for him, per se. It may be for his career. You know, if he plays bad against a, a defensive front that can get after him and get pressure on him, yeah. But overall, I think it, in his, you know – Facing the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't think it's going to determine where Trey Lance is a starter or not, unless this guy just pulls off a fourth quarter of Super Bowl 54 again, which is which Eagles can do because they can get pressure on the guy. But, you know, overall, it's I don't think his leash is that short yet. I still think he could be the guy the entire season. I don't think the 49ers want to be the guy the entire season, but he just reminds me of an Alex Smith type guy because you're not getting rid of me yet. We had three quarterbacks start this past week, week one, as rookies in the National Football League. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw three touchdown passes, but his team got crushed. Um, the Jets at number two with Zach Wilson. He kind of rallied them in the second half, but came up short, and they got beat as well. And then Mac Jones, uh, who did get the nod in New England after he beat out Cam Newton for the job. They also were loose. So the, the three rookie quarterbacks, did lose all three games who started. Oh, by the way, the only team that won with a rookie quarterback was San Francisco with uh, Trey Lance coming off the bench and throwing a touchdown pass. Uh, Justin Fields didn't get enough of a chance in Chicago, and they got their tail kicked. So even though a bunch of quarterbacks, you make the argument look good, didn't portray themselves yet with wins, you did have three starters. How long is Lance going to be on the bench for San Francisco? Well, that's the thing. It's I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be the quarterback of this team the entire year. But the 49ers did trade up nine spots and gave up two future first-round picks. 
to play this guy. If they think he's ready, he's ready. Whether that's week six, week eight, week 11. I, I personally think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I, I think once if Jimmy Garoppolo has like two or three big games in a row, they will go to Trey Lance. And ultimately, I think it's a lot of it's going to have to do with injuries too, Jody. Like if they just keep getting injuries to running back after running back after running back and Kyle Shanahan wants to put new wrinkles in this scheme, at least in my opinion, um, I, I think they'll go to Trey Lance sooner rather than later. But if Jimmy Garoppolo plays like 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to be very, very hard to bench this guy for Trey Lance, even though Trey Lance is your future. And, you know, when they first drafted him, I thought, okay, maybe Trey Lance goes in 2022. But the more they play him and the more they have certain packages for him, I think it's just going to keep growing. It's going to be like an Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick thing. They're just going to keep putting more packages in for this guy and, they're not going to give him a baptism by fire, as what Arthur Smith said about uh, Jalen Mayfield last week, the Falcons left guard. But I think it's going to be we're just going to keep developing packages for this guy until he's ready to take over as the number one. This past week when the 49ers won, as I mentioned, Jimmy G threw for over 300 yards. Lance came in through one pass, touchdown. Okay, you can sit back down again, Rook. Nice <laughs> job. Um, Debo Samuel, nine receptions for 189 yards and got one of the only two touchdown grabs that 49er wide receivers had. Um, He's a talented player, and he's a game-breaking type player, but he's not your prototypic downfield, throw the ball to him uh, on uh, uh, shot after shot after shot down the field. He's more of a created uh, catch type guy. Does that say more about San Francisco's offense or the Lions' defense? that Debo Samuel was not only that good, but that highly used in that many different ways in their opener last week in Detroit. I, I think it was more in the Lions defense, obviously. And they lost uh, Jeff Acuna, uh, their number three overall pick from, um, what, 2020. And, you know, I thought he was going to be a stud coming out. He's just been injured a lot. Uh, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I'm sure Matt Patricia has had a lot to do with his uh, lack of development. But he's a good player. And, you know, just – Unfortunately, he suffers a lot of injuries, but Detroit secondary in general is not very good. Um, they're not a great tackling team. Uh, their defense is clearly why a lot of people think that they are going to be as bad as they are. I don't think it has anything to do with Jared Goff. I don't think it has anything to do with the offense or that offensive line. I think it's the wide receivers in their defense. It's just you know, the, their defense just doesn't make plays. They don't make a lot of tackles, and they play hard for Dan Campbell, and you will get th- that from this team. They can come up and Bite your kneecaps off, if you will, if you kind of let them slip. And I think the 49ers learned that on Sunday. So, overall, I think it's more of Detroit's defense. But Debo Samuel is a good player. I'm not going to deny that. And I just think when you have a lot of weapons on that 49ers roster, when you have a Brandon Ayuk, a Debo Samuel, you have to worry about the running game. You have to worry about George Kittle at all times. I think it allows one of these guys to break out. And Debo Samuel just happened to be him. Let's flip side it a little bit here, JK, and see what the Lions did. Now, the 49ers ran out to a big early lead, and they might have uh, rested on their laurels a little bit. I believe that on defense, they went into a little bit of a prevent mode uh, that gave the Lions the ability to get back in it. Then they get a onside kick, which you don't usually get in the National Football League. They were able to recover, but got them within that one score late in the game. 
Um, but uh, judging what they did offensively and what worked for the Lions, which the 49ers defense are uh, going to be going up against this week again. TJ Hawkinson, one of the best young tight ends in the game. We know it's Kelsey, it's Kittle, and then it's everybody else. Well, Hawkinson is one of those everybody else. Uh, the Raiders tight end who had a big game on Monday night is right there. It's one of those everybody else. Eagle fans like to believe that Dallas Goddard is one of those in that group of everybody else after the top two tight ends. Uh, so he can maybe fill that role that Hawkinson did. Eight catches, 87 yards. And then the next top two receivers after the tight end for the Lions were their two running backs. Swift had eight catches for 65 yards. Williams had eight catches for 56 yards. Again, I'll ask you about was that that's what San Francisco gave up or that's what the Lions uh, format was and what they wanted to do. That's a whole lot of catches by someone other than a wide receiver. The Eagles had success with their wide receivers this week. Did they take a page out of Detroit's book and just try and slam dunk uh, passes to the backs out of the backfield and or the tight end? Or did the Eagles do what they do best? And last week it was giving the ball to the wide receivers. You know, Jody, uh, this is a great question, honestly. And uh, I was when I was rewatching this game, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> good thing the Eagles have good pass catching running backs and two tight ends that can catch passes because that's how they kind of expose the 49ers defense. And I know the 49ers went for even a bit, but overall, TJ Hawkinson was open all day. And when Dan Campbell, and you got to give Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn a lot of credit here. Anthony Lynn, I, I think he calls the place for – I got to look that up again. But I think Anthony Lynn is the play caller for Detroit. And I think Drew Staley actually pointed that, this out too. They knew they could get yards off swing passes to their running backs and, you know, setting their running backs up for screens because the 49ers were over-pursuing a bit. And, yeah, it, it worked for DeAndre Swift big time. Um, same with Jamal Williams. Um, same with, you know, when you did the underneath routes to TJ Hawkinson. I, I think Zach Ertz – and uh, Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders, they could be in line for a huge, huge game. Same with Dallas Goddard. I think you go a little bit more 12 personnel. Maybe you get a little bit of that 21 speed in there. And you kind of – and this is what I like about Nick Sirianni. I think he's going to adjust based on what the defense gives him. And I'm sure he's going to try to run the bubble screens in the 11. But overall, I think you might be better off going to 12 this week and saying, hey, look, your weakness is this. You guys are having problems covering tight ends. You're definitely a problem tackling running backs in open space. Let's get them the ball and see what they can do. Zach Ertz was hurt during the game on Sunday versus the Falcons, so he did come out for a period of time. Did get back in, so it wasn't anything major, but it did cost them some snaps. On the uh, snap chart for the Eagles this past week, certainly Dallas Goddard got more than did uh, Zach Ertz. I don't know how close it would have been if Ertz hadn't gotten hurt. Because pretty close up until that point, yeah, Goddard's tight end one, but it's not like one and two. It's one and one A. Do you think there's a chance that Zach Ertz actually gets the ball coming his way more often, more targets than Goddard against the Lions? I, I think so. I, I think this is a game where Zach Ertz, you know, and again, these are from tight ends I've talked to, you know, and former tight ends, current tight ends. He's one of the best route runners in football for the tight end position. And, you know, it's probably him and Travis Kelsey, if you want to be quite honest. And, you know, Zach Hurts can get open. And if he gets open, Jalen Hurts is going to find him, especially if he's part of the game plan. And, you know, I, I think you're going to have to keep 
you know, if they do go 12, I think you're going to have to keep Dallas Goddard down as an extra blocker, and Zach Ertz is going to have to play that receiver role, and he's going to have his opportunity. So, again, you know, if you have you sign Zach Ertz on fantasy, I would play him this week. I really would. You know, I'm not a fantasy football expert here, but, you know, he's going to get his targets, and he's going to get a lot of them just because – of the situation that's presented. And, you know, it's not like Fred Werner's going to cover him every play. So, yeah, I think Zach Ertz could be in line for a high-volume day. And, again, just it's just what the matchup presents. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure the Eagles are going to try to get Devonta Smith, uh, obviously, and Jalen Rager involved in this game. But Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders, I think they're the two that can really put this 49ers defense on skates. And I think this is how you can score 20 points off this team. Yeah, you and I see that very similarly. Uh, giving you the exact numbers, 71 Eagle offensive snaps. Dallas Goddard was on the field for 52 of 71, which is a pretty damn good number. Zach Ertz was on the field for 41 out of 71, and he missed a period of time because of injury on the sideline. So I, I, I was actually kind of surprised, knowing Ertz was out, that he was actually that close to uh, Dallas Goddard in the number of snaps. be very interested to see how that breaks out this week. Zach Ertz, one of two new blondes on the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Uh, he got his done at the beginning of camp. Jason Kelsey got his done at the tail end of camp this year. Now, you had a chance to talk to Jason Kelsey's brother and get some insight as to why we now have a blonde center here in Philadelphia? So I just brought it up to Travis. You know, we were joking around about, like, his Monday Night Football appearance. And I said, I have to ask you, have you talked to your brother yet? Have you seen your brother's new hairdo? And he goes, yeah. So he goes, this is my understanding here. He lost the bet. And he said, I'm pretty sure it was the Zach Ertz. Because, you know, and he said, you know, just being the team player he is. He didn't say what the bet actually was, but he said he definitely lost. He, you know, from his understanding, he lost the bet to Zach Ertz. And that's why he has to keep his hair blonde the whole year. And he said, I, I, you know, I think it's hilarious. He, he was laughing. At it. He said he actually had to FaceTime him to, to see it, you know, not live, obviously, but to see it in the flesh, as Travis Kelsey called it. And, you know, I, I think I, I honestly think I brought it up because we were talking about his beard and, you know, I'm clean shaven and he kind of cut it. He said he cut it to a half and he said he's never going to cut it to – uh, a one or a two again. He's never going to keep it at that during training camp. He said, those days are done. But, yeah, so I hope J Jason Kelsey's available today. And I hope people ask him why his hair is blonde because I want to find out a little bit more about this. Bet. Yeah, I want to I want to know what the bet was. If it really is a uh, payment of a lost wager, I'd love to know what that wager is. All right, uh, speaking of betting, the Eagles are betting on Jalen Hurts this week. He certainly took a major step forward with the game that he had week number one against Atlanta because we know this entire season for Jalen Hurts is basically an audition to be the Eagles quarterback going into 2022 and 2023 and the like. Um, it's a week-in, week-out thing. He gets a major check mark for week number one. This is a better defense coming in this week in San Francisco. Mentally, I think uh, Jalen Hurts has uh, got all the – he checks all the boxes that you want to see checked for an NFL starting quarterback. What challenges do the 49ers put forth that he did not get this first week against Atlanta? Uh, well, one, it's going to be a much better pass rush, obviously. You know, that I, I was the king of the hill in pretty much saying the Falcons have no one that can get to Jalen Hurts outside of Ray Jarrett. And, you know, I was – 
pretty bullheaded on that and turned out to be right. I mean, really, the, the only sack Jalen Hurts got was on his own volition because he was just, you know, trying trying to make a play. You know, try, try to make something out of nothing. I don't blame him for that. But you're going to Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead chasing it around all day. They're going to – Jalen Hurts is going to have to step up in the pocket a bit. And I, I honestly think this is a good day for Jalen Hurts to try to – disrupt that 49ers pass rush a bit because he can take off. And I think that's what the 49ers are probably going to use Trey Lance for this week in practice as a decoy. Be like, hey, you know, this guy's going to roll to his right. He's going to try to take off. When he steps up in the pocket, we got to make sure that, you know, he we he only looks at his first read, so you got to have good coverage. That's where I think Jalen Hurts can actually beat them with his arm this week. And, you know, that's the thing. The 49ers had their healthy commodity of cornerbacks. I think they could make Jalen Hurts' a day a living nightmare, but I think Jalen Hurts now can make their day a living nightmare because they just don't have the guys that can cover, um, you know, the Eagles wide receivers, and, you know, not the guys you want. And D'Amico Ryans is, is a good coach, and he's been one of the better assistants in this league for a long time, even before he got to be a defensive coordinator. But it's not – he's not Robert Sala. You know, it's it's like when I look at um, Ohio State now. It's like Ryan Day's a really good coach too. He's no Urban Meyer. But I, that's how you got to look at it. I want to see what – if he – if D'Amico Ryans is actually bullheaded enough to put Josh Norman up against Devonta Smith because he, he doesn't have Jason Verrett anymore. And is this going to work? It's uh, – oh, uh, Emmanuel Mosley too. I don't know if he's going to be healthy this week. I, I mean, it looks like he could be, but if they don't have him, uh, Jalen Hurts can make their day a, a very, very long one. One of the things that impressed me about Jalen Hurts, one of many, uh, in game number one was the fact that he spread the ball around. Now, he seemed to do it in chunks. Beginning chunk, Quez Watkins. Second quarter chunk, Devonta Smith. He kind of zeroed in and said, all right, it's your time. And he could continue to feed the football and do it effectively, the guy. But at the end of the day, you check the numbers. Devonta Smith, six catches. Jalen Rager, six catches. Dallas Goddard, fourth catches. Miles Sanders, fourth catch. Zach Ertz, two catches. Uh, Watkins, I said, the three, and he got them all early, and then he kind of disappeared, but that's okay. And even Kenny Gainwell got a couple of catches. Gainwell was actually more effective running the football than catching the football, uh, which surprised a lot of people, you're truly included. He did spread the ball around, and that's exactly what you're looking for out of a quarterback if you've got that kind of a roster. Devontae Smith has to prove that he's a superstar wide receiver. I think he can, but he hasn't done that yet. Uh, Dallas Goddard has to prove the fact that he's right behind those two top tight ends. Everybody keeps projecting it, but it hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, the game plan should be use all the weapons you've got, and he did that in week number one. Yeah, that's one thing I loved about it. And uh, like you said, Jerry, it was like chunks. It's you know, Devonta Smith, okay, you're getting targeted four plays, and you're a betting man. You you were really happy because he was over 47 and a half receiving yards in the first half. I I know I sure was. I'm not even the betting guy. I'm like, yeah, I think that's an easy one. I'll, I'll put two dollars on that. And you know, lo and behold. <laughs> so, and, and overall, though, it's one of those. I I do like how he spreads the ball around and just kind of finds the open guy. And that doesn't. He wasn't going to his first read either. That was the key. Uh, you know, if his first read wasn't there, he went to somebody else. Like, the, the underthrow ball to Zach Ertz, he was not the first read on that play. He was probably about third or fourth, but he was the guy that got open, and that's what Jalen Hurts saw, and I, I, I saw that a lot. But you got to give credit to Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, too. 
they made sure Jalen Hurts didn't beat himself. You know, it was the quick bubble screens, the quick passes, the the plays that, okay, we're going to make the Atlanta Falcons miss. And I think Kyle Shanahan and the, you know, D'Amico Ryan's and the 49ers will be ready for that. But I think this is a good test of Jalen Hurts' arm strength and his deep ball this week. I, I think you're going to see, I, you know, McMullen says, you know, it, it's not going to, I think you might see a couple shots down the field this week. Yeah, so I, and I hope to because I think Jalen likes throwing it deep. Again, uh, that does it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't make it to any of the Eagles practices. Be they joint practice with the other team or regular practices. Johnny Mac did. All the other Eagle beat guys did. It seemed like on a daily basis somebody was saying, and Jalen Burts' best throw of the day was when he went deep to whoever it happened to be Rager or uh, Watkins or Smith that. He likes to throw the ball deep. It just wasn't there for him to throw on Sunday. Maybe it will be this upcoming Sunday against the 49ers. All right, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back. I had some technical difficulties with Jason Lock on four. Looks like we'll get him another day. He's not going to be with us today. Myself and Jeff Kerr come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates.
toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Coming down the home stretch of a Wednesday hump day edition of Birds 365. Looking ahead to the game against the 49ers on Sunday. And one other thing I want to touch on before we exit stage left here, Jeff. Uh, Nick Sirianni has a massive media availability after every game on Sunday, the following day thereafter on Monday. Tuesday, this year, at least yesterday, um, there was Nick Sirianni sound available done by Dave Spadaro, in-house media guy for the Eagles on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And he was asked about coming home and playing in front of the hometown fans. And have we learned from Nick Sirianni that he's a pretty smart guy when it comes to pandering and uh, sucking up to the hometown fans wearing the Philly jersey the other day? Yeah, he's already got it down pat. And I never have a problem with that. If you're not able to figure it out as a fan that he's just playing to you, then that's on you. If you want to be uh, blissfully ignorant to that, that's cool. And if I, if it were me, I'd do the same thing. If I can win brownie points just by throwing on a hat or a cap or saying the right thing, damn straight I'm going to say it. So I actually tip my cap to Nick Sirianni for handling it. He said this yesterday with Spadaro, and I want to get your take on it, Jeff. Um he said it's going to be great coming home uh, to play in front of the masses here and the uh, diehard football fans that are in Philadelphia. That's but fun. he also touched on the group in Atlanta. He said it was so cool to look up into the crowd and see as many green-clad individuals as were there. I, I think it was another pandering session, but maybe not 100% because he's dead on right. I've been saying this about Eagle fans for decades. They really travel well. They are one of the better traveling teams in the league. And I've done from the Eagles perspective, I hosted the Eagles pregame show live from the stadium, all the home games uh, for four years. I did stuff for the Jets on their radio network up there. So when you're at the stadium every single week, hours and hours and hours before the game starts, you get a good look at how many people are coming in with opposing team jerseys. Pittsburgh travels real well. They've got a fan base that uh, goes all over the country. The Raiders fans travel real well. They're one of those national teams. And they Sorry to say, the Cowboy fans travel pretty damn well. And anytime they've got a road game somewhere, you see a bunch of Cowboy fans uh, show up in their jerseys. And the Eagle fans are right there with any of them. They're some of the best traveling contingents in the National Football League. So even though I was, when I first said, I go, oh, he's pandering again. The more I thought about it, no, maybe he's just giving you an honest reaction that even week one in Atlanta, coming off a 4-11-1 season, not knowing what this team was going to be like, the Eagles repped pretty well last week in Atlanta. Uh, So I need to get a read from you. What's it going to be like down the link with the return of full stadiums, this year in the National Football League over, at best, partial attendance last year. And this is why I wish I could be there Sunday, because it's going to be loud. It's going to feel like the vet, I think, Sunday, because these these starving Eagles fans have not been 
in that stadium outside of that one, what, those one or two games last year where it was a limited attendance. Nope. They have not been there in over 700 days. It's going to be loud. It's going to be exciting because I think now a lot of Eagles fans, not like they weren't bought in before, but it's going to be like, wow, we just blew out a football team. This guy can coach. We might have a franchise quarterback again. I think a lot of Eagles fans do believe in Jalen Hurts. I think the negative people are just the loud ones, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I agree with you, Jody. Eagles fans have always traveled well. You know, this is why I get tired of Twitter sometimes. Like, the, the Eagles clouders, if you will, they act like, oh, we just started doing this like five years ago. I'm like, no, you got it. Like, Eagles fans have been doing this for 50 years. You know, this is nothing new. It's just you like to post how popular you are on social media. Eagles fans have been doing this forever. They've always been traveling. This is why I love Eagles fans, because every road Eagles game I've gone to, they're all over the place. And you know where you ask them where they're from? Philly, South Jersey. Bucks County, Berks County, Chester County, Montgomery County. They, this is why I love the Eagles and I love the Chiefs so so much because the Chiefs are like this too. They're a very regional fan base, but they're everywhere. You see them all over the place. You see Chiefs Kingdom all over the place. You see Eagles fan generally, E-A-G-L-E-S. I was in L.A. the last week, week 17 of the 2016 season for the Rose Bowl. I was wearing an Eagles hat, and I got an Eagles chant at Santa Monica of all places. I'm like – you don't see that everywhere. You just don't. And you know, this is why I love Eagles fans and travel. Uh, Nick Sirianni is absolutely right. That was an awesome contingent of people they brought to the Marseille-Benz uh, Stadium. It, that was awesome. It's going to be insane on Sunday with, with that fan base. And I'll tell you what, they're going to travel to Dallas too. You're going to see them in Dallas. You're going to see them um, in Carolina. You're definitely going to see them in Carolina. They always go down there. Um, it's It seems like – the only place you never really see Eagles fans at, and I think it's more of a credit to the home team than anything else, is Seattle. Because it's hard to get in that stadium. It's yeah, like they don't give up the seats. Yeah, exactly. It's like Philadelphia. You know why you never see visitor, not a lot of teams and opposing teams. It's hard to get in there unless you're paying premium for a ticket. And you got to give Eagles fans credit for that. I don't think you're going to see too many 49ers fans in there Sunday. No, I think it's going to be a dominant percentage of the people in the house that are going to be Eagle fans. All right, well, I'll give you a chance, Carl. You can either beg off or you can get on the record right now uh, since uh, we had you here both Monday and today. We're still several days out, and a lot of things can happen. Announcements can be made. Injuries can be had. So uh, I certainly give you the right to change your pick for those who follow you on Twitter. It has Jeff's Twitter handle right there. You should follow him on Twitter. Write it down. Put it in. Um, if you feel the need to change your pick between now and uh, Sunday, feel free to do so. But you want to put a pick forward on the Eagles and the 49ers here on Birds 365? This is probably going to change because I got to write my preview for CBS tomorrow. And I'm going to go back and forth and I watch this and be like, who am I going to pick? I'll tell you what, I, I would have picked an Eagles loss um, before the season. And I, honestly, Jody, I'll say this because I'm bullheaded. In May, when I did my first win loss record, I actually had the Eagles losing to the Falcons and beaten and upsetting the 49ers at home. And then mm. I flip flopped them. I still haven't the same record, but I flip. I'm like, you know what? They're going to be Atlanta. And then they're going to give San Francisco a game, but I'll. I'm bullheaded here. I'm starting to lean the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts can kind of 
I think he can get this 49ers defense on skates a bit. If the 49ers from the first three quarters show up, I think the Eagles, I think they'll lose a close one. But if they let their guard down a little bit and they let the Eagles, remember, the, the Eagles offensive defensive line are much better than the Detroit Lions here. So we got to put that into perspective. I got to get a good read on this 49ers team. I think I'm leaning toward the Eagles because they're at home. I'll say that. I think the home crowd, them playing at home, will make a difference. I don't feel as confident in them. I'm going to get slammed for this because I, I think they're going to lose to the Cowboys. But overall, if they win this game, they got the two and four start I wanted. So, you know what? I'll, I'll lean toward the Eagles for right very now. good. All right, uh, and again, gotta check uh, Jeff out on CBS. He says he's going to write a preview column and also. He'll put his pick out there on Twitter. I will make my pick on Twitter on Sunday as well. I put out my pick this week, the same as I did Friday here on Birds 365, which was Eagles 23, Falcons 20. I thought they were going to win, even though they were an underdog. Should have played the money line. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be a blowout the way it was. I will reserve my pick prediction till Friday here on Birds 365. But I did say last night on uh, WIP, because I do Monday and Tuesday nights, I'm certainly leaning toward the Eagles plus four points, which it opened at three and a half and has actually gone up, which is a surprise to me. I thought, if anything, it would come down to three. It opened most places at three and a half, and in some, including the Park Casino Sportsbook app, it's gone up to four. If you can get four, Eagles plus four, that's a play. And we'll continue to discuss it when I say we. That'll be me and Johnny Mac the next couple of days this week. I have to thank Jeff Kerr for doing such a good job. Two days this week. J.K., thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. Jerry, by the way, I have to ask you, do you pick all 16 games? No. Well, I uh, between you and me, I play in a local pool. So I, I, I have to pick play. all 16 games. It's uh, X amount of uh, shekels every week just to get into the pool. Um, so, yes, I do, but I don't put them out there on the air just for the pool. I pick six games every week, usually three college, three pro. Last week it was two college, four pro, and I was sitting on five and zero till Monday night, and I had the under in the Ravens and the Raiders, and they scored like eighty-seven points in the fourth quarter and overtime, so I ended up getting it wrong. But I was five and zero until that point. Yeah, Monday night um, it kind of screwed me over too. Um, I was going to win my pool this week. I was going to take all the money, and a lot of people did not have five hundred records this week. I was one of the few who had over five hundred, but I needed the Ravens to win, and it did not happen. Sorry about that, brother. But, hey, thank you very much for uh, filling in for Johnny Mac. J-Mac will be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. We've got two more days before the Niners and the Eagles. We're talking about it right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.